0: Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And we've got a very special guest with us today. That is Lance Zerline of NFL.com, one of the best NFL draft analysts in all of the country. And Lance, we are just talking about it, man. Late night for you, just getting into Indianapolis on this Tuesday, February 27th. Big week for you, obviously, in the evaluation process. What year is it for you covering the NFL Combine?
1: Um, well for NFL, I mean, I've been here before I work for the NFL, but this is going to be my 10th draft. Tenth so draft. I've been at the combine each of those years, but you know, truth be told, I've, I've been to like two or three other combines. So probably my 13th combine, but it's my 10th consecutive combine. Um, that's crazy to believe, but yeah, I started, uh, in 14, uh, the fall of 14 doing the 15 drafts. So I uh, have five thousand scouting reports in the books for NFL.com. Uh, coming up, coming up here in about a month, month and a half. So, uh, but always fun to go to Indy and see these guys in person as opposed to on tape.
0: What's the biggest thing that you have noticed? I, I would say over the last ten years with the NFL, and I, I don't know. I feel like the combines become such a spectacle now what's the biggest change maybe you've seen over the last 10 years
1: well so it's it's kind of twofold that's a good question because it's a little bit layered number one the draft has become a season so there's an nfl draft season and i've been in this space for about 20 years like i was really into it starting about 2000 2001 um so i've been around and i've seen it headed in this direction i've told people for years that this is where it's going and I told people how big it was going to get and it's, and it's done just that. So I think the way that it's become, you know, senior bowl is this massive hub of, of draft Knicks and, and people coming in and then combine has really become that too. I mean, it's become much more accessible for fans, for people who follow the draft. And, and now it's, you know, it used to just be the first round, unless you were really into the draft, people only cared about the first round, but now a lot of the fans care about second, third, fourth round prospects. So, um, it's really become the spe- a huge spectacle, and as you mentioned, but not only that, it's more accessible. I think the NFL has done a good job of making it more accessible, and for a lot of people who just wanted the the combine to be their own little thing, which is kind of all of us, you know, in the space, um, it's a little more wide open now. So I'm hoping Roger Goodell and the NFL keeps it in Indianapolis. I think it's it's perfect here. I don't I don't mind the draft traveling. I think that's a great uh, marketing concept. I don't love the combine because this is really not for the fans as much as it is for making sure that teams and and players have everything centrally located so that, you know, all the information can be accumulated in a timely fashion and Indiana. And and I got to tell you, Indiana, downtown Indiana is just perfectly suited for that.
2: Well, they've commercialized it, right? Primetime coverage. I got my, uh, my DVR set, Lance, I'm just. What is the biggest storyline? I guess you're tracking for the 2024 scouting combine. If you had a, I'm sure you've had to answer this question before, but what is the the one key storyline for you? Well, I think
1: it's. I think it's going to be. You know, I don't know. It seems like every day I'm hearing about a new guy who's not going to work out. So, I would have told you it's Malik Neighbors and his chance to shoot past uh, Marvin Harrison uh, Jr in the wide receiver rankings more, you know, with, I mean, I've got him ahead of Marvin just barely, but I thought this was going to be his big chance. Marvin said he's not, not only is he not, he has no agent. He's not preparing for any workouts. He's not going to work out. He's only going to prepare for his NFL season. Um, I really thought that was going to give, and it still may give, you know, neighbors the chance to potentially, pick up more steam and, and kind of move past them with public sentiment and, and even with teams, but it's not going to happen at the combine. So it doesn't really answer your question. I think that, I think it's going to be, you know, I guess I'm hearing Drake may is not going to throw now as well, at the combine. So it could be j- the the combine of JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix. Can one of those guys do enough to really excite people? I think there's, there's some people in the NFL that are really, You know, excited about the potential JJ McCarthy, but I look at Bo Nix and I thought he had a a fantastic year, not only statistically, but on tape. I thought he was really, um, he's not the same guy we saw at, at, uh, you know, at Auburn. I know people want to hang on to that notion, but he's not the same guy. He's a much better player right now and much more experienced. And, you know, I, I think that now those two guys, specifically, to a lesser extent, Penix, I still think Penix from a, a medical standpoint, that's going to be a big hurdle for him to clear, um, but uh, I, I think there's room for one of those two guys to really shine and and push himself up. And I think the other, you know, I think the other storyline is going to be how do these defensive ends work out and how do they stack? Because Jared Verse, Latu from Washington um, or UCLA rather, um, Chop Robinson, Dallas Turner, these are all talented guys chops up mega athlete who's not a very, you know, polished rusher at all. Latu's one of the most polished rushers that I've ever studied, you know, versus is a kind of combination of the explosiveness and 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 you know, some some polish and then you have Dallas Turner who's a Nick Saban guy who you know is going to be technically sound, he's got great uh traits. And so how those guys stack out for me, is really going to be interesting along with the offensive tackles because tackle and, and, and pass rush there is an interesting there there's a wide variance of where people have these guys rated so we could see it clear up a
0: little bit with you know with the combine. Lance you mentioned it earlier and you mentioned guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. Malik Malik neighbors who's at the top of your board and, and I'll follow up on a question uh, with him here in a second. Jaden Daniels, Drake May. Uh, some of the guys that have opted out, um, all five of those guys uh, appear to have the talent to potentially go top 10. What's your reaction uh, when a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or maybe a guy like Drake May, you hear the news that they are going to opt out and not participate in the combine?
1: Well, you know, it's disappointing for me on a personal level, but, you know, I have to look at this from their standpoint. I can kind of get it on Marvin Harrison's uh, you know, from, from his standpoint, I think that, you know, I think realistically he's not going to run like neighbors. And I think that from a, you know, from a, a storyline standpoint, what could have developed here and what I was kind of anticipating initially was that neighbors was going to have the bigger workout and then it would really change up the national conversation about neighbors versus Harrison. Harrison takes himself out of the running. Well, now you can't, you know, you don't have anything to, 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 to judge neighbors against. And I was really shocked to hear neighbors wasn't going to work out because it's a fast track in Indy. And I I think it's always a good idea to try to run it. Indy. I don't know if neighbors isn't really ready to run. I don't know what's going on and why he wouldn't work out. Um, Daniels, you know, quarterback's not throwing, that's not new, so that wasn't crazy, but Drake May really had an opportunity uh, to, to I think, help himself by having a good workout. If he if he threw the ball well and threw the ball with some accuracy and threw it with a little better touch than we saw in college, I think he could have really helped to cement himself as a number two prospect. I, You know, on tape, Jaden Daniels is simply better than him, uh, but the traits That's a big check mark to, uh, to Drake may. And I thought this is a great opportunity with the first two quarter with two quarterbacks out of the running to work out here. This conversation could be about Drake may. And then now he dropped out. So, you know, I, I think that uh, it's, it is disappointing, but I think it's a mistake for May, And I think it's a mistake for neighbors because I think it really gave both those guys an opportunity to get a bump that they may very well need as a pertains to slotting in the first five to six picks
2: well it's one of my favorite things you do I mean you go on nfl.com and I would encourage all of our listeners to check it out I I believe you've written up every guy that's going to be at the combine this year you have a scouting report up on them is that is that correct yeah that's correct if you just google combine
1: tracker it'll be one of the first things that pops up so uh yeah the 2024 combine all my scouting reports will be on there for all the players
2: Take us through that process. I mean, how long or how big of a, a monster is that? I mean, you're talking to two guys that have to do it on the high school side. But how long have you been working on that? And and how many guys are you writing up every year?
1: It's a monster
2: um, because the first
1: the first uh, landmark I have is the Senior Bowl. All the players for the Senior Bowl need to be done. Um, actually, I take that back. All the the first landmark is the first mock draft after uh, the last day for players to pull themselves out of the draft or to, to declare for the draft. After that, there's going to be a mock draft coming out on NFL.com shortly. It'll be, you know, usually Daniel Jeremiah. So I need to have all those players written. So you need to have, you know, those top 35 to 40 players in consideration, which includes underclassmen. Then I need to have everybody that's going to be in Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 written then everyone who is in the senior bowl. And then after that, it's a mad dash for the combine. So what happens is I start my process late October. Um, I'll start writing up typically smaller, uh, smaller, uh, school prospects guys who I think, you know, guys who are on the senior league senior bowl watch list because those are guys who usually have a very good chance of, you know, getting an invite to the combine potentially being drafted. And, uh, so I will most of the time I like to work on offensive line and defensive line because small schools typically will play the best competition early in the season because they're the out of conference competition and sometimes catching those paychecks and they end up against a pretty good competition so I can get a good look at uh, you know those players playing against you know players from maybe elevated schools and uh, basically to to kind of shorten a story up here I. I have to average about a hundred, my goals to get about 65 to 70 done in November. And then I'm a hundred in December, you know, all the way through Christmas. It's, it's almost seven days a week, basically Uh, same thing with January, about seven days a week. And then February, whatever I've got left over, which this year uh, put me to 343 total players. That's what I get get. I've got to get done for February. And then I'll write, somewhere over 480. So it used to be 500 was the mark, but that was kind of, you know, there's, there's years where you just don't need to do that. But the flip side of that coin is if somebody gets drafted and I don't have a scatter report, I've got to write one after the draft. And let me tell you who doesn't want to have to write scatter reports after the draft. It's me. So uh, it's, a, it's a, it's an arduous process, but really it's more like a marathon. You just have to stay on pace, try to get three to four players done a day and, and, Days where you got to write quarterbacks, it's gonna take a lot longer. Days when you're writing top 10 to 15 players, it's gonna take a lot longer. And, you know, it's just a matter of uh of trying to stay focused, drink your coffee, and keep an open and clear mind because it's a like I said, a race to the combine. And after this, I've still got another 140, 150, but that seems like a crazy amount to people. Over the course of two months, that's like nothing. That's it's really it's it's a matter of finding the right guys to write up so it's really more of a a easter egg hunt to go find the guys who have the big workouts at their pro days or the guys who are flying under the
0: radar so it's a different type of writing up it's it's trying to unearth those late round guys so how important is the combine to that process you know i find that so fascinating our job is to project high school players to the nfl where they might be drafted which is you know it feels close to impossible at times because the the physical trajectory of the player obviously you take into consideration but the the development on the field as well i wondered for you there's obviously some looming questions as you get into february into this specific event how much can a evaluation for you based off of what you've seen, maybe two years of tape prior really change from what they do this week in Indy? Well, you just, I mean, it's very specific things, Cooper. I mean, you know, I,
1: I, you do have some situations where you're watching tape and it's a matter of competition. You just, you don't get a good feel for, for competition across from them and you hope to see them, you know, like at the senior bowl or shrine game, have some live competition And if you don't really get that, or even if you do get that, sometimes it's just a matter of getting on the field and seeing how they're built, like seeing what the body types look like. I'm a big believer in traits and body types. Uh, Chris Ballard's made me a believer in that. And so there's certain guys are just built like NFL players and you get on the field and you get to see what these guys look like, see the, you know, the, the hips and the legs and the the calves. And I'm talking about, you know, certain positions you want to see, get a feel for a player's length. And then once they start working out, I want to see it's very, very easy and very quick to find out, especially because these guys are all staggered at the same position. So if I'm watching guys get through a slant route, get into a little out route, get into, you know, running dig routes and it's one after the next, after the next, boy, it makes it easy to stack them because you see who's got the tighter hips. You see who can get in and out quickly. You see who's more focused. You see who's more smooth through the routes and who's more labored. And I think that's one of the big advantages at the combine is it allows you to stack players more easily because you see, you know, they're going back to back to back and you're like, Oh man, this guy just stands out. Oh, look at the, this guy's body language is phenomenal. You know, phenomenal. I was flowers is like that. Seeing him in person, you're like, Holy crap zay flowers is just different he's got an aggression level on a confidence level that jumped off the turf um so yeah i do think that the combine can really uh for me offensive lineman a lot of the stuff doesn't matter but there are a couple things that give me a little bit more idea about if tackles have enough range to set out to defensive ends or are they going to have to potentially bump inside the guard or, or in some cases center so there are some things very specifically that I that I can take from it, but sometimes it's just a feel for the alphas. It's just a feel for the dudes. They have a different energy, and it, it's it may sound crazy, but
2: when you're on the field, you can sense it and you can you can see it. I know we're on audio, but both me and uh, me and Cooper are smiling here because we get that all the time. Hey, these guys, it's not padded football; it's just this combine setting, and I'm like, no, it's. You can you can sort them real fast when they're all and going through the same drills, the same workouts. You you know who wants to be there. You know who who's prepared. So, thank you, Lance, for singing the gospel for us. Yeah, but I got to tell you, like
1: what you guys do has got to be damn near impossible. Uh, I think <laughs> I had somebody who worked in the NFL for years, went to college, back in the NFL. Now it was well, it's Alonzo Highsmith, and he's back with the he's with Elliot Wolf in New England. He left the Miami Hurricanes and. You know, I remember him talking about the easiest job is, is as a pro scout, you know, scouting players who are in the league for free agency, doing advanced scouting, things like that. And he's right. Going college to, to pro is harder uh, than doing that. Going high school to college has got to be the toughest because – Level of competition so different, growth patterns are so different. The technique and skill there's no, you know, you can't really judge for technique. You're just looking for physical abilities. And I know my son's working uh, in Alabama in the recruiting department, just cutting up tape. And I told him, you know, I, I said I gave him some critical factors and critical traits he needs to look for. But I just told him, look, it's it's all about just finding guys who have certain types of traits certain types of ability to do things. It, it, if they're not there yet, it's not the end of the world. Now, Nick Saban recruited very fine-tuned players. There you know, were fully grown, height, weight, speed guys, and a lot of them uh, did have some technical ability. And, of course, you got coached up big time. I don't know how it's going to change under Kalen DeBoer, but um, I think it's amazing that you guys have the ability to project certain players because it's just it's such an uneven... It's such an uneven surface that you have to wade through as it pertains to quality of competition and, you know, where guys are physically versus where they are skill wise.
0: Yeah, that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, back to the point of the combine, it feels so different in terms of the weight of the evaluation process when you're evaluating players in high school versus where you have them right now. The biggest job interview of their lives as they get ready for the NFL for us, and I've always thought this, this has really kind of been, you know, personal philosophy here, but there's so much more weight put into the athlete at this stage of their career more than the football player. Like you, you want to know what's in their body, are they capable of doing it and have they, have they flashed it? Right. And then in terms of the technical development on field ability that develops over the next three to four years, uh, in college. So, it's fascinating to kind of see the differences, and I'm glad you brought up uh, the variables that come into play when projecting guys four to five years out. Because all we hear is, you know, um, that it's a science or it's a math equation, and no, you know, and, and and it's far from it. I think that's that's yeah. the beauty of the game.
1: All right, so you know something interesting
0: in 2019, uh, me and Tyler
1: Oberly, who was at that time director of analytics for Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, he's my business partner with uh, a little side business we have called Scout Source, and we work with some college teams. And uh, I knew Tom Herman; he was at Texas, and and Tyler created an algorithm based on twenty at that time twenty years of combined data that also included some growth stuff that is not made uh, public. And uh, what he can do is project you know, frame size for for high school players. And so we asked if we could come get height, weight, uh, wingspan, hand size, wrist, knee circumference and, uh, you know, run our algorithm. And he said, yeah, he said that's and we also have uh, proprietary athletic scores based on you know, the historical data from the combine and how players ended up performing. And so we have scores that create an, uh, an athletic score and then frame projection, what you can carry, what size you likely will be. And it's, we wanted to create a proof of concept. So we went out to Texas and he said, okay, why don't you, or the guy who was in charge of his recruiting said, why don't you, everybody who's got a 100 number is the guys we're recruiting. And we said, well, look, Tyler and I both do evaluations, you know, also for a living. You mind if we kind of eyeball some guys and pull them aside? He goes, yeah, absolutely. So we did that. And uh, we we gathered information and put it all together and then, you know, put it into the system. It cranked out sizes and one of the guys who we found, and I wrote him up as I just wrote something briefly about his movement. I watched him run the hoop. I'm like, his movement is loose and fluid, and and uh, he had a good athletic score. And his growth potential was, at the time, he was six foot 272, as a, uh, I want to say, a junior in high school. And we had him projected to be 6'2", 305. And he was not being recruited by University of Texas at that time. But they took our information. They, they started looking at him on tape because they really weren't looking at him too much. They convinced their defensive line coach that, you know, let's give him a shot. Let's give him a scholarship. See if he can grow into this. These guys think he can. And, you know, and, and from an eyeball test, what do you think? Yeah, he's got a shot. So he did it. And that player ended up becoming Byron Murphy. And Byron Murphy, who was not recruited at Texas at that particular time, went from being like a two, maybe a three star, to became a four star after Texas signed him. He grew uh, pretty quickly. He did not hit six foot two, uh, but he is three oh eight, and I mean this guy's solid muscle too, and everything that. And so, you know, we kind of had our proof of concept. There's another guy who was a tight end, and we told Texas his growth was up to three oh five. And uh, oh no, I'm sorry, 300 pounds. And the kid said, "I don't. I'm a tight end." So they wanted to recruit him at Texas. He ended up going to TCU as a tight end, and within a year, they moved him to to tackle. <laughs> the same way, and now he's 290 pounds. So we kind of had that proof of concept, and we went to Miami. And one of the selling points with Miami, I said, "Look, this is what's crazy. It's the last 10 years. Miami and Texas have had fewer." Over the last 10 years, Miami and Texas have had fewer top three-round offensive linemen drafted than Northern Iowa and Central Michigan has in the last three years. And what was interesting is three of those players were former tight ends who became tackles, Luke Gadeke, Spencer Brown, and uh, uh, Bernard Raymond, and then the other guy gained almost 100 pounds at Northern Iowa, and that was... uh, Oh, uh, what's his name from
0: from uh, Trevor Penny?
1: Trevor Penny, yeah, and all those guys obviously gained a lot of weight. But the, but the fact is, you have to learn how to project size, and that's not easy. And those guys who fall under the radar and go to smaller schools, they're just late bloomers, or they haven't had the weight or the nutritional stuff. And so, that's why projecting those guys is is really difficult. But even on this level, you have to understand how much more growth is possible for a player because. One thing that you learn very, very quickly, if you think of guys, you have a tendency to think this is who guys are at age 21 and 22, not even close. The physical body type continues to change drastically with, you know, as they grow into to adulthood, they eat and lift differently. Um, man, the body types at age 25 and 26, sometimes I look back at what I wrote about guys and say, holy crap, you know,
0: man, was I wrong on this. Lance, it's pretty. It's it's pretty funny. I have this rundown of questions uh, that I was supposed to ask you, and I don't think I've asked you one of them. And um, you know, I just keep kind of going off road to where the conversation keeps going. So I guess I'll continue with that. You know, we've seen teams like Georgia, uh, and maybe some guys that have come out recently, like DeWan Jones, and uh, have had some success, maybe in in that day two range. Bigger body types, Orlando Brown, kind of comes to mind a little bit as well is there a personal philosophy there for you? Would you rather have the body type where you got to add some weight on a guy or it, does it scare you away when you, you got to melt uh, a little off the bone? Oh man, that's
1: such a tough one because my dad was, you know, a longtime college and pro offensive line coach. And I remember the first thing he learned moving from college to pros, it took one year and he realized if you don't have functional strength, you can't make it in the NFL. Like you must have a certain level of functional strength, or you'll get pushed into the pocket and you just you won't be able to play. You won't be able to make it. And so the bigger bone guys typically have that have more functional strength, and and that's a big advantage. The guys you have to add weight to, that's always a concern. It's always a concern. Um, it's and that's not to say the bigger guys. You know, you always worry about footwork, you always worry about getting a certain blocks, but I'll give you an example. Dewan Jones bothered me last year because if you crossed him, if you cross faced him with a rush counter, you took him outside and went back in. He couldn't really redirect his weight back inside and you could beat him inside. He played at the senior ball on day one. Nobody tried to beat him inside. He just mauled everybody looked incredible, left the senior Bowl, <laughs> And I just kept thinking, well, no one tried him where his biggest weakness is. And what he learned to do is play more inside out. So he he sets because his arms. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Are like giant limbs, he basically sets real tight inside and he forces you around, and that's where he redirects with those long arms. And so you learn to play with your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. And as long as you have good lean mass, like a lot of you know, a lot of these NFL guys will put you in a DEXA scan and find out what your lean mass numbers are. And if you're carrying real bad weight, they don't like it. But if you just are a naturally huge human like Dewan Jones or like America you know, or like Mims from Georgia teams are not going to worry about it. They're they're going to worry about how do you move and, you know, are the areas that you have correctable. But if you're not a a bad body weight guy, then I don't, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. I used to be a pretty feet, pretty pass sets. Orlando Brown is a great example of got guys blocked. Didn't look great on tape doing it, but guys got blocked, had a terrible combine. People were ready to bury the guy. And then, um, After that, it was, you know, just a matter of he got into the league and did the same thing he did at Oklahoma, block guys. He didn't have to look pretty, but he used his length. He didn't get bull rushed. And so I would much rather have a guy with, you know, the size and the physical traits than a guy you have to project to get bigger. But that's not, you know, but but once again, that kind of runs contrary to what I just told you about guys who – can grow into it and the guys who if you can project their frame that they'll grow into it then you just want to know that they have enough nasty because they're probably coming from a different position in some cases and you just want to know do they have the mentality it takes to be an offensive lineman because that's a different that's a different breed so you know if you do have that little You know that little crap in your neck that you need to have a little prick as they say in, in your business then that's uh then that's good that's good then you can put the weight on get the functional strength but there's a lot of ways you can test guys core strength and functional strength so you can be 305 pounds and have great core strength and you don't have a problem but if you are 315 and you can't bend and you don't have great core strength you'll get rolled back into the pocket snap after snap after snap
2: Lance, I want to ask you, uh, obviously, your big offensive line guy. I, I think you're one of the few people that has J.C. Latham as your top-ranked tackle. I, I could be wrong, but in your mock, you had him going, I think, number 10 overall to the New York Jets. Guy mm-hmm. I'm super familiar with. He was at IMG Academy, uh, Protect protected J.J. McCarthy's blind side as a senior in your evaluation you're like, he could be a right tackle or a pro bowl caliber guard. Just, you know, what's the evaluation been like on him? Because I feel like it's the exact same one we had three years ago when he moved from Wisconsin to IMG uh, and made the transition from defensive end to offensive line. Yeah, it's it's funny
1: how, um, you know, he looks like a Nick Saban player guy. to A yeah, Nick Saban player to some extent. He's There's a little bit of difference, but he's a big, thick bone guy. And the first thing I want to see is okay, and you can see on tape right away he's a mauler, like he just pushes people around in a run game. So that's a big plus plus, in terms of his drive blocking power, in terms of his lower body girth. You know, he's got the girth of a of a guard, but anytime you can play tackle, that's obviously a big benefit. He's big enough. He's got, you know, he's got the measurables to play tackle. So I wanted to see him, and the SEC is going to give you plenty of looks. Like you'll you'll get looks against good athletes. So. The more I watched him, I just said, look, he's – from a technique standpoint, most Alabama offensive and defensive linemen are going to be technically sound, and that's pretty much the case, and he's got good technique. Um, I think, you know, there's going to be a few times where guys are going to hit his corner, and you're going to wonder, can he – is he going to have to lunge a little bit to redirect guys up and around the pocket – But the the problem a lot of people will make, the mistake they'll make, is you see a guy get beat around the corner, you think, that's it. You know, can't play tackle, can't get that block. Well, A, that's – you have to – There's different tricks to it. You know, you can obviously put a tight in there, kind of widen the rusher out. You can obviously go with more of a vertical set if you want to. Um, There is more quick setting that a tackle can do. You can have him jump out on the guy if he's not a wide nine and kind of take his rush momentum away. There's a lot of different things you could do. You shouldn't panic just because you see a guy get beat around the edge unless it's happening way way too often and you think it's just a matter of the guy's not quick enough but anytime i've got a guy who has that size that plus plus ability as uh as a run blocker i mean he can really wipe you out and then he's technically sound too i think that and when he locks you up i mean the chin's tucked he's got the back flat he, he locks in with his hands and he'll just stone you and keep you there it wasn't even that hard of a decision for me i i know everyone's on joe alton you know Fashanu from Penn State has some real holes in his game that's, that remind me of a kwanu coming out so i'm i'm more, I'm nervous about him all's rock solid, but there's nothing that really shines. I don't see anything that shines with him when I see uh I want somebody who has a big elite trait if I can get it at, at, as as an offensive lineman, and his elite trait is his run blocking. And yet, but his pass pro is good too. So, I for me, Latham is. It wasn't that hard a call for me to make Latham the top tackle because I know worst case scenario he'll fail inside and be a really
0: really good guard. <laughs> Lance, since we're we're talking about offensive linemen and we've kinda of gone down the rabbit hole here, a guy that, you know, we recruited when I was at Washington, Troy Fatanu, and similar to Andrew and you know, his story with JC Latham, you know, Fatanu was a guy that we thought was a good enough athlete to play tackle, but it would eventually move inside. We knew he had the length. He had thirty-four inch arms. And quite honestly, we were unsure whether or not we were going to take him until Liberty and in Nevada ended up um scheduling img and he held up really well against nolan smith uh now with the philadelphia eagles and a first round draft choice where do you see him and and the other thing i want to plug in here i also know that you're on the joe moore uh award committee as well so i know you you you've dug in on on washington and and fatana to quite the extent
1: yeah, Fatanu is, you know, you just want so badly just to just push him inside the guard. He's got that broad waist, broad chest. He's mean as, he's mean as piss. Um, physical. I mean, there's everything you like about the the physicality of him. He was caving people in in the Texas game. Um, and you just want to move him inside the guard so bad and just say, let's just get it over with and let's make him a road-grading guard. But the fact is, he does have 34-inch arms. and you know it's surprising? You look at him, you don't think he does, it's measured. I mean, it's it's verified. He's a 34-inch arm guy, which is a good length for offensive tackles. Um he is he is pretty nimble a foot. I don't I, I don't think the speed is a big problem for him. He can he can set out on people and you know, as much as I think that his final position is guard, the fact is tackle is such an important position that you just don't want to write that off. If a guy can play tackle, if he has the length, if he has the, the enough foot quickness, um, you don't want to just write that off because it's such a, an important position for for so many teams. I think that tackle guard, like he's an immediate 2 flex of, He's a positional he's, – he's got position flex, which is important come draft day because, you know, you, you can only – You're only going to have eight guys a lot of times on the offensive line that you're going to take with you on road games, sometimes only seven. So you got to be able to play multiple positions. But he's another one of those guys with the plus, plus run-blocking power. He's got the nasty demeanor that we talked about previously. He's built like a pro with the wide waist, the girthy. uh, Well, I shouldn't even say girthy. I mean, he's just a wide, strong guy. And then when you look at the rest of the offensive line, I mean – rosengarden has got, you know, he's, he's, he's got good size. He's not built like a Greek God or anything out there at tackle, but from guard center guard, I mean, it wasn't that impressive body type wise. And I was on the field during, I was on the field looking at, uh, I wanted to go see Washington's players and Texas players, right? You know, and I went and looked at sweat and I looked at Byron Murphy and I looked at all the players from Texas and it's like the body type difference was astonishing between Washington and, and, Texas. and yet when they got out there and played, you know, Kalen DeBorn, that coaching staff, just they showed what they're about. You know, you can get you just need to get the right kind of guys that are wired right in college. And whether they get to the pros or not, sometimes is irrelevant because you're trying to win games. On the collegiate level, and if you develop them, if they get wired up right, if they are technically sound, and you have good coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators, I mean, you can win at a high level. One, and, and Washington was a great example. But, but to your point about Faltanu, I mean, you know, I, I'm interested. I, I just keep assuming he's going to get moved to guard. But, man, if he can play tackle, why would you take him out of the tackle spot?
2: Well, yeah, it's getting a little away from the from the big boys. I know we can riff on that for for a while. I mean, NFL scouting combine, all eyes or the general publics are going to be on that forty yard dash. You know, me and Cooper were at a, a personnel convention back in the summer, and there was a lot of talk about the GPS tracking. You hear it come up, you know, occasionally. Um, how important is the, is the time still and, and you know, your thoughts on, on the GPS metrics in, in terms of max speed and all that stuff? Oh, um,
1: Another guy I work with who has created his own computer vision. He's one of the, the best data scientists in the world. And I asked him, he's a director of analytics as well for a collegiate team. And I, I asked him about the 40-yard dash versus versus uh, the GPS data and the miles per hour data. And, you know, his whole thing is for him, it is for wide receivers, for example, he's got first speed and second speed. He breaks it down into a first speed, a second speed, a deceleration and acceleration out of brakes. So he's got multiple accelerations. He's got multiple speeds that he looks at. So when you're talking about a football team, they're really breaking it down. At least I think the good ones who have, you know, that data through catapult or whatever the case may be, um, they're really quantifying more than just max speed, they're quantifying types of speed, which I think is very interesting uh, because it really can get to what type of route runner a player can be and what you can do with certain routes. In terms of max speed, one of the things I found in talking to um, you know people from Zebra and 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 people who have been around in sports science, it can be a little bit deceiving because you've got to find. You know, you've got to find opportunities where a guy is going to be at his top speed. Like there are cornerbacks who you know aren't really field fast, but they'll they'll hit max speeds you don't expect because they're in trail, and there's an extra gear that they can access when they're in panic mode. But it's not a a speed that they're going to typically play at, so it can be a little bit deceiving. But I believe that that's the future. The forty yard dash right now is just a normalizer across years, but. Really, a lot of NFL teams are starting to go to, um, they're starting to go to the GPS data, max speed, um, and then you know breaking down the speeds and creating different, different types of grades on what different types of speeds. So that's really going to be um, the 40s not going to go anywhere. But we also know that that's, you know, that's really interesting for comparison's sake.
0: But how fast you play is really more important. Lance, just, um, you know, thinking about one of the, the last questions here, and, I, and we like to break it down. You know, we have 247 players we we have to rank nationally, right? Let's yeah. we call our top 247, and we break it down. We try to emulate the NFL draft as much as possible, um, you know, with 262 draft picks on, on a given year. I'm interested for you, and, and I know for us, we like the platform on our show to be able to kind of call our shots a little bit. Can you give me a favorite player for every day in the NFL draft where you think these guys are going? Um,
1: yeah, so I would say uh, for where I see them drafted, day one, day two, day three. Correct. Yeah, I would say day one. It's going to be. I want to give you somebody that I'll say Jared Verse, um, defensive end, Florida State, came from Albany and then transferred over there he got a look at my i had written him last year i thought he was coming out and he didn't come out and the guy who eventually ended up representing him was he was doing some i think some nil stuff and reached out to me and asked about my scanner report and if 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 i thought if he if he said would it be okay if jared saw how you wrote him so he could take a look at that stuff and maybe work on some stuff i was like yeah it's you know that's fine and he actually went to school on some of the stuff because when i watched him on tape this year i was like holy crap he's way better at this way better with his hands this guy is a ball of fury he comes out of his stance and just hammers tackles he's way stronger than his listed weight he's explosive into contact he gets rid of blockers instantly and he has and he's got a rush that i just think translates to the NFL. You can be as pretty as you want with your rush, but really what works on a day-to-day basis is power. You have to have a level of power whether you're attacking the edge or not and or whether you're bull rushing, speed to power. And he's got power and spades. So to me it would be Jared Verse would be You know, him and Latu would probably be those two guys. On day two, it's a guy who I have a day one grade on, and he's one of the most unique prospects I've ever graded. His name is Austin Booker from Kansas. Uh, Played at at Minnesota for two years. Got almost, I think he got eight snaps in two years. Transferred to Kansas, including special teams. I believe he took 515 career snaps, Um, and that's it. And in that one year at Texas, I saw so many flashes that I had to put a first round projection on him. He's six foot five ish in that neighborhood. Six, five, six, six. He's only two forty. That's the concern, but he plays stronger than his size. He has a relentless nature and uses his length and the long levers to be able to work uh, past or eventually through like he's an eventual player. Even if he doesn't beat you at first, he's going to eventually slip off of you. Like you just can't keep him in front of you, but he's got, unusual amounts of power for being 240 pounds and somehow he's able to create a level of leverage and i'm not sure how he really does it you can sit and watch tape all day but i mean he really had a terrific um he had a terrific game against uh uh banks from uh university of texas at left tackle this guy's going to be a first round pick and you watch that game against texas and you're like holy crap and you know the scared me would have put it just a I'll give him a low 63 even though I think highly of him and now after doing this for 10 years I'm like screw it I see a guy who's got a chance to be unbelievable it may take him a year or two to keep getting experience and maybe grow into his body more but I I missed on Max Crosby because I thought he was too thin I'm not missing on another Max Crosby (laughs) so my comp is Max Crosby and I'll just roll with Austin Booker as my guy in day two that's going to shock the world. And then finally, day three, I would say, um, let's see, day three, let me go with, uh, let me see if there's a linebacker or a wide receiver I can think of. Let's see, this is a little harder without an offense, uh, without, well, okay, so Nerzot, I, I think his name is Nerzot. I think he's going to be an early could be an early fourth round pick he's a center from uh penn state and he um he came over from cornell where he played tackle he moved to uh he moved to center at penn state and i mean i'm watching him against Jerzon newton aka johnny newton from illinois and this guy is handling Newton and I'm, and I, I'm writing him up because he's one of my combine guys. And I'm just thinking, why is no one talking about this guy? He's 319 pounds. He's broad. He's really strong. He plays with great body control. He has strong hands. These are things I like from offensive linemen. He's clearly got the size to play guard as well. So he can play center guard. I mean, you know, for me, I, and I put a starting grade on him, a future starting grade on him, because this is what they're supposed to look like. And, I firmly believe he'll be a starter, but centers, you know, sometimes can get pushed down a little bit. So he could slip into uh, the fourth round. So that would be one of those guys. uh, I think, Oh, and and Tyrone Tracy, let me tell you about him too. He, I don't think Tyrone Tracy goes in the first three rounds. He, he was a former wide receiver who moved to uh, he's at Purdue moved to running back. And I mean, this guy sees the hole like he has this uh, this unbelievable instinct once he gets inside of running lanes to dip and dart and feel the movement of defense and just make quick counter uh, cuts. He is a physical finisher. He just refuses to go down easily. He has spin moves uh, to get off of tackles, stiff arms. I, I love guys who are that competitive runner. he he has the wide receiver running back. Uh, talent. And I talked to a friend of mine who's in the league the other day. And he said, you know, who I'm not hearing anyone talk about is Tyrone Tracy. I'm like, dude, that's my dude. That's my guy right (laughs) there. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him. And that's one of the things you write 500 players, man. That's a lot of arduous stuff, but every once in a while, you'll get to tape and I'm sure you guys think the same thing. You just get to certain players and you're like, man, this is a lot of fun watching this guy play. A lot of fun. He's like my own little secret kind of when you think that until other people find him. But um, it still makes what we do fun when you find those guys that you just yeah, – it's not a chore getting through the tape. You want to keep watching more and more.
2: Well, we had, we had Tyrone Tracy ranked. We did not have Hunter News on rank, so that, that one's going to look bad on us. Right, last one for me, Lance. I'm sure you do this exercise. We do it, me and Coop, and we always love to look at our at our what we call misses or, or guys maybe we wish we had ranked higher. Is there anyone from this past year's rookie class where you're, you're kind of kicking yourself or it keeps you up at night that maybe you didn't have them a little bit higher, higher of a grade? Oh yeah, I
1: mean Puka Nakua. Sure. I, I thought I had Puka I thought I had him written up pretty well. I talked about his ability to win contested catches. I said he I, I thought he struggled to get separation, but that's one of those great learning experiences, is that you know, sometimes when you tighten up your route running, it helps you become a better separator. You don't have to have this incredible burst. And you're on a team with, with With Cooper Cup, I've got to imagine that Nakua talked to Cup every once in a while and learned some tricks of the trade. And uh, Cooper Cup gets open all the time as a four-five guy. Puka Nakua, you know, I did. I wondered if he was going to be a separator. My gosh, the guy could have easily been rookie of the offensive rookie of the year. So, yeah, that's one. My sixth-round projection on him maybe is off a little bit.
0: Well, I think he was drafted. I don't know where he's drafted, but I mean that guy ended up playing unbelievable football. He's another one, you know, Lance, that's funny. I know it. it uh, you like Latu and you like Nakua. Both those guys started their career at UW. You know, Puka was one of those guys, you know, I, fortunately for us at the time when we are at Washington, USC was down with Clay Helton. That was an opportunity. It kind of provided him, you know, itself to us and then ends up going to BYU. I always felt like he never put his best foot forward on tape. He was just kind of the incomplete, which I think probably, you know, made it a lot more difficult for you guys at your level to evaluate him just because whether it was healthy or transfer or whatever it was, you saw flashes of the ability, but never the consistency that you saw. Yeah, and senior
1: bowl, you know, it's funny you say that because it's senior bowl that got popped. And I was like, ooh, man, that's a really good catch. Ooh, that's a really good catch. And I reminded myself, well, you know, I did have that he makes good catches and contested catches, but it was just different. You could just sense that. Maybe he was a little better than I thought he was. And I raised his grade a little bit, but nowhere near as high as he ended up playing. And that's kind of the, you know, that's that randomness of the league. Guys can look just phenomenal in college and workouts and all that and Sometimes they just, you know, through things that you can't project, whether it's attitude, personality, fit in a locker room, commitment to the game, um, there's, there's a variety a confidence level. There's a variety of things that can cause a player to not reach potential, and there's a variety of things from the high school level up to the college level to the pro level where there's certain guys. You know, I, my, my brother coach, Jack Quiz, uh, and James Rogers and Quiz Rogers, and these little guys, man, I saw them completely turn around an entire high school. I mean, completely turned around. A team that hadn't won a, a district game for like four years. They get there and before you know it, they become state champs, beating RG three in a in a state championship game with Quiz and RG three having these this incredible battle. And I gotta tell you, man, sometimes the the heart and the will and the desire, when you have that, it just It it can, as long as you have enough of the traits, it can really rocket you forward. And, And for some players, you just, you know, they just didn't get that opportunity or they just need the right boost of confidence or maybe even just find the right scheme.
0: Lance, we appreciate you jumping on as always, man. We always learn a lot, both Andrew and I having you on here. And hopefully you, the listener at home, has learned a lot as well. You can follow Lance Zerline at Lance Zerline on Twitter. Also check out his work on NFL.com. Guys, we appreciate you joining us. You can check out Andrew and I's work every Tuesday and Wednesday, 5 o'clock Eastern time on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll see you next time.